Oh my god, I got a blue screen of death again. Welcome back to the Emissions Uncovered podcast with me, Dominic, and your other hosts, Nee and Michael, and our guest and friend, Sid. In this week's episode, we'll talk about how to approach your college interview. Nee and I are about to have our college interviews. Sid just had his first one. And of course, Michael, our resident college app expert, has the experience of nearly 20 college interviews. (laughs) All right. So to start off, first of all, you can get an interview mainly one of two ways. So when you apply, usually within a week or sometimes a couple of days, a college will send you an interview, um, an email saying kind of like linking you with an alumni within your area and from there you'll set up um, your own interview or you might have to ask for one and this kind of depends on the college. I think Michael said this is how UChicago works and maybe some other colleges also have this format and usually Mm -hmm. you'll have to um, reach out to them. They'll probably have some place for you to sign up and sometimes you have to submit or apply by certain deadline to be eligible for an interview and um, keep in mind that not everyone gets an interview because they're like limited people for you to in- interview, which you don't have to worry too much about because it won't significantly affect your application in any way. But sometimes um, colleges will prioritize maybe people who went to a fly-in or did a certain program with them, and those will be the people that get interviews. Otherwise, they'll try to get as many people as possible and give them a chance to interview. Well, real talk, um, when I did my application, I got rejected from Yale and deferred from Chicago, and I didn't get interviews with either. So, you know, make of that as you will. I think it's reasonable to say that they do a little bit of a pre-screening um, before thinking about interviews, um, or that you're just a super late applicant. You, like, apply on January 1st, and they don't have enough spots left. Sometimes schools, like... Duke will let you send in a recording of yourself talking if you don't get an interview, but that is, I think, something that I only found in Duke's case. Question for Michael and Sid, what types of different people interviewing you were there for the in-person? Because I know, depending on if you're close to the school or if it's alumni or the regional rep, uh, how did those work out? So for my in-person interview was an alumni who graduated two years ago, and he seemed pretty submerged in his field already because he graduated um, from Swarthmore with a computer science degree. And since I wanted to do computer science, when I signed up for my interview, I hit computer science, so they gave me a computer science alum. And then, Michael, were most of yours alumni interviews? Yeah, most were alumni interviews that were in person. I did get one college senior when I did a fly-in program with Swarthmore. I did the interview with the college senior who was kind of running the admissions officer office during the fly-in program. And for my USC scholarship interview, I also had one admissions officer and one professor. But generally, if it's just regular application, it's probably going to be an alumni who's in your area. If you're an international student or live in a very rural area, I've heard stories of Skype interviews. And sometimes that can be tricky just because Skype is hard, technology is hard, and sometimes if you have an old alumni interview, it's hard because they, you know, might not be so tech savvy. Skype interviews are mostly for um, face-to-face interviews that you can't, you know, aren't able to make because of, you know, you live in a different state or you live in like a different time zone. But mostly phone interviews are through calls, so you should be fine. Yeah, so kind of going off that, so I recently just went to a fly-in and then usually at these fly-ins, they'll set up interviews with faculty or staff. So if if you do get a chance to go on a fly-in, make sure that you sign up for an interview or 
Um, in my case, I had an interview here with the assistant dean of admissions. For these, they'll have limited spots because they'll travel from city to city. And so if you get an interview um, and it's a school that you really like, then make sure you sign up because they usually um, don't have that many spots for you to interview with um, an admissions counselor. Okay, so Michael, um, like I said before that like not everyone will be able to get an interview. So does that have a big effect on your application overall, whether you interview or not? I think that what you're going to hear from a lot of admissions officers, and I think is mostly true, is that the interview is not a significant portion of your application. If you bomb your interview, you still can get in. If you do amazing on your interview, you can still not get in, as happened to me in a lot of instances. What I will say, though, is that interviews offer something distinct from the other pieces of your application. You have test scores, you have extracurricular activities. Those kind of speak to you as a student, as a leader. Your essays kind of personalize you, but you still have a lot of control over the essay because you have months upon months to think about and write about it. It's only the interview where there's actually a person-to-person contact between you and the school. So this is often a place where they weed out kind of the wacky weirdos or the psychopaths who can't have a conversation with people. This is the stage where they do that, where they can't really do that for the other prepackaged parts of your interview. So I would say that you can't really get into a school with your interview, but you can stay out of your school with the interview. It's kind of like test scores. They are a necessary baseline that you have to meet but even if you do super well, it doesn't usually have an amazing impact unless you're talking to someone who has connections. One thing I will add is these interviewers, you know, most of them being alumni, they're trying to be an aid in your application, you know, expose you to different aspects of the college and give you that personal experience of what it was like going there as a student, making sure that the college is the right fit for you. Uh, they're not there to, you know, grade you on your personality per se mm-hmm. or rank you in your application or see if you're accepted or not that's not what the goal of the interview is it's really just to get a a feel for the college and get a sense of what you're applying to and ask any questions that you might not be able to otherwise or your counselor might not be able to answer but i would say don't worry about it because it's just going to be something else that will be able to help you if you're not able to have the interview don't worry you can either set up a phone interview like uh, sib was talking about or you can just email the admissions rep or the person scheduling the interviews and ask them questions that way. However, when they when these guys, I mean, sorry, when these alums do record your interview, like to the college, they have a bunch of scoring methods that they have to go through, like personality, how you answer the questions. So there is scoring, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There is scoring. There is like a little rubric and some questions they have to answer. And most colleges require for those um, interviewers to go ahead and give you a, like give a 100, I think it was a 100 word paragraph about who you were. So if you make an impact, that paragraph's going to look bomb as hell. But if you don't. <laughs> well, I mean, it also depends on how well this alumni writes. Like you can get kind of, you know, also socially awkward interviewers who you don't connect you shouldn't with. Be and it's just like not your fault. As well. Yeah. 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 My point's like it, it can help a little bit. But don't think it's a game changer unless you do super poorly. But it's very hard to do super poorly in an interview unless you're doing like racial slurs or cursing at the interview or like doing something really messed up. It's really hard to do something that bad. <laughs> My biggest advice is don't say anything to impress them. Be yourself. Literally, yeah. like, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but you have to be yourself. Yeah. So now that Sid and Michael are sharing kind of aspects of the interview, uh, so because we have these experienced 
interviewees on the podcast. I like to get their perspective on the interview and what they think it's all about and what they went through and the type of questions so that we can help out our listeners with their upcoming interviews. Michael, I'd like to start off with you and if you could just kind of share your overall experience with the interviews and then if you have any ones that still stick out to this day, feel free to share those too. Yeah, I think my general impression of the interviews is that it is very, the questions are going to be questions that you are going to know the answer to because they're the generic questions that you have always heard. There's questions that a lot of schools ask that are just like, what is a moment where you failed and you got back up? Standard question about resilience. Sometimes interviews just start off with a tell us about you type thing. And so I think the general rule with these questions is that they're things you know because they're about you. Now, I'll also say that there's some research you do need to put into it because all interviews I've experienced have had the interviewer ask me, why do you want to go to this school or why do you want to study the thing you want to study at this school? And then you want to be prepared with certain programs, certain clubs, certain professors that you really want to work with or do be a part of when you get to the school. As for kind of like unique experiences, I have one amusing one <laughs> that um, I'm not afraid to share now that I'm it's over. Uh, my Harvard interviewer was this investment banker, Wall Street guy. And he's very nice. Like, I really liked him. And when he saw that I was interested in debate and did a lot of, like, policy topics, kind of like political policy-type related topics, he asked me, uh, what are your political affiliations like? And that's normally not a question people ask, so I was a little hesitant for a moment. But then I just started to tell the truth. And I started to say, you know, when I was in middle school, I was a big libertarian, big Ron Paul fan, but, and I was about to say this, the sentence after but, but then he jumped in and said, oh my God, I'm a Ron Paul fan too. And so I just kept on going through the rest of the interview as a closet libertarian. <laughs> in reality, as you know, if listeners to the podcast know, I was going to say after that but that I became a liberal in the 2012 election after actually thinking about politics and doing my research rather than just following what I thought to be the most compelling message. And so... Um, I think this shows that you can kind of, you kind of just have to go with it and go with the flow. If you get a situation like that, maybe the most honest thing would have been for me to be like, actually, dude, I'm a liberal, not a libertarian, but I kind of just like stuck with a libertarian persona. And I think it worked well. <laughs> I don't think I would recommend people do it, but it's just a funny moment that sticks out to me uh, as me role playing as all the conservative people and all the libertarian people I think are very wrong. All right. And then now, Sid, you've recently done two interviews, the two being from two very different mediums, one in person with an alumni and then one over the phone. Uh, would you like to kind of share those country. <laughs> unique experiences with us? Um, yeah, sure. So you want, do you want me to start off with my Oxford one? Or? Go ahead with the alumni. So the alumni was um, from Swarthmore and um, it was at a nice, comfortable place, uh, Starbucks in um, uptown Dallas. Um, it was quite late at night, so he didn't. He just got off. He he had just gotten off work, so I don't, I, he wasn't as stressed as most interviewers are, which are like what on Saturdays and Sundays, not very good for the mornings. So like I would say, schedule an interview at a later time after school. Like don't do it early in the morning. No one likes a groggy person. <laughs> true. Very um, true. The very first thing that I thought about while doing these, uh, while going into an interview, was how my attire was gonna be like. At first, I thought dressing up as a dragon because why not, right? You know, just 
be very flamboyant, like just get out at them. But then I was like, that's very inappropriate and might just throw off some very wrong signals. So I went with my business casual look, um, button up shirt, skinny jeans and like some boots did the trick except he was in a hard rock cafe t-shirt and shorts so <laughs> oh no it wasn't it was weird also we'll add that sid skinny jeans are not what you actually think skinny jeans are they're professional looking skinny jeans so don't don't show up in jeans to your interview yeah m- mine are yeah mine are like black very straight like skin tight mm-hmm. um but let's talk about some factors that i focused on while you know, doing my interview. The very first thing that I noticed was mirroring. So mirroring is this unconscious thing that a lot of people do where when we're talking to people, we kind of like copy them in their body actions. That's that's not good. You might think it's okay because, you know, we're like, oh, we're just like them, but it's, it's not good. So it's because some people can notice it. If you can notice it yourself, why can't they notice it, right? So you need to stop doing that because once you see yourself mirroring somebody else, quickly change your action. For um, instance, my Swarthmore interviewer guy was constantly rubbing his beard, and I kept doing that as well. And I was like, "Oh shoot, I'm I I keep doing this thing," so I just went back to like rubbing my elbow or just um, cusping my hands together, which helped. But yeah, just be observative of what how your body actions are throughout the interview. Yeah, one thing I will quickly add here is uh, Sid really likes to look deep into this stuff. For you listeners out there looking to just prepare for your interview, don't, don't go into your interview worrying about this. You're already nervous <laughs> enough. Uh, just go in there and act like yourself, and it will be perfectly I'm very fine. analytical. But uh, Sid is very analytical, so that yeah. is his perspective, but definitely not most people's. All right. Uh, yeah, what, what I agree. questions yeah. came up in your interview, Sid? You have the basic um, college supplemental questions that they usually ask, like, why do you want to go here? And What's your toughest challenge or what's your most favorite subject? And would you guys like my responses for these? Sure. Okay, so the very first question that he asked is, what is the difference between success and failure for you? And success and failure for me is very non-binary because success is where, in my opinion, where you stop trying. It's like, this is good enough for me, so I'm succeeding right now. So that's how I gave my answer. I was like, "Success, success is where you stop trying. And failure is where it doesn't exist. There's always more. You can always achieve more. And he thought that was very interesting. That was like the first response that he that he's ever heard like that. So, was this the Swarthmore interview that they asked this question at? Yes. Okay. It sounds like a Swarthmore question. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, the second thing was, what is your most challenging subject? And to be honest, it's physics because I have to actually go ahead and work out the problems, and it's. Well, I related all my answers to computer science because computer science is very practical. There's many solutions. There's many elegant ways to solve a problem. But with physics, there's only one right way to do it because you have things like friction, gravity, all this external stuff playing into your problems that you have to like care about everything. That's how I gave my answer. I was like, physics is very challenging because there's only one true answer, and I hated one true answers. Like This is, like, this is high school, not like a concert. I'm not going to be a one-hit wonder in a subject. Anyways, let's move on to personal slash generic answers that you can give. So when they ask you um, things like, what what has been your biggest setback? Don't be generic and be like, oh, um, school was very hard for me. Or like studying was like, because obviously they don't want to hear that because you've already said most of that stuff in your common app. Don't be too personal, but just be the right amount of personal. It's like meeting a new friend. (laughs) You don't want to be too open. But some people like to be too open. 
I mean, so obviously don't be telling the fact that your parents got divorced and family troubles and you don't want to be too personal with it because this is kind of like a random stranger. But I think it is good to throw in some personal anecdotes in there that are not so, I don't know, like traumatic or deeply emotional. Like if you had a moment of victory at a debate tournament or whatever, I'm a debater, it's the example that come to mind, then I would feel fine sharing that anecdote instead of just being like, I won a few times that debate. Yeah, that was pretty good. Share instead the specific moments where you remember those debate victories. One of the best things I can do during one of these interviews is try to find common ground with your interviewer. Um, for me, it was um, Roman history because he had done classical studies with computer science when he went to Swarthmore, my interviewer. So I started talking about Roman decadence, uh, Claudius Maximus, Caligula, you know, all that horsey <laughs> stuff. Fun Roman stuff. <laughs> and we immediately clicked. So the interviewer, sorry, the interview went way past the 30 minutes it was supposed to last ended up lasting two hours so don't 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 try to manipulate them but if you're really interested keep talking because they will listen to you yeah and i think that's a really good point this is not just an interview you should treat this more as a conversation too you want it to come off as a conversation at least so i remember my georgetown interviewer uh my interviewer was a very catholic person but was heavily invested in the jesuit version of catholicism i don't know if that's the right word but jesuit catholicism denomination denomination of catholicism and so i really didn't know what it meant to be jesuit or what it meant to be roman catholic and jesuit so i just asked him you know what does this mean what does this mean to you how did you get involved with this kind of version of the faith and we just had a conversation about that and i even talked a little bit about my experience with religion and it wasn't really a question that was being asked in the interview but it was a conversation we had as kind of a tangent but it showed i think a personal side of me that i'm interested in different things religion which obviously helps because georgetown is a religious institution so I think you should not, you should come into the interview with an open mind. You should feel free to talk to the interviewer about the things that just come out, come up, instead of just having your list of talking points about yourself. Moreover, don't be a yes man. Sometimes you can say no, and sometimes you can say, I don't know this or I don't know that, or you can even go be as controversial as you want. For example, I did this last night. Well, not as you want. Not as you want. I don't know. Stay within the bounds of regular politeness. I have an example to give. Stop, Michael. That's disgusting. Um, It's true, though. It's like there are things you shouldn't say. I just wanted to clarify. I just want to clarify. Realms of politeness. That's understood. Thank you. That's understandable. So (sighs) yesterday, um, the most most controversial question that I was asked was, um, what what is the political issue that you have a specific stance on? And I had gone and brought up the abortion thing. I know I'm going to still talk about it, but here we go. So my stance on abortion is that if the woman had gone pregnant with unconsensual sex, that means she has obviously every right to abort the baby. However, if it was consensual sex between two people, they have to come to an agreement. That's what I, that's what I told him. And he was like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. And I was just like, beautiful. But obviously, but that obviously his, um, his stance was um, pro-choice. But what I'm trying to say is speak your mind. And here's the thing. You want to fight and strive to lead other people to go your way, not go against them, but just lead them to believe in what you believe in. I think I I have a very similar experience to you. Um, 
in my interview with a brown person, yeah, it was for brown, we had gotten somewhere on the conversation of politics. I had said that I was very interested in politics and doing campaign work in college, which I hadn't really done in high school. The question was, what do you want to do in high, uh, college that's new or that's different? And so I brought up the issue of chain migration because that was a big thing when I did the interview. Uh, Trump said that when you have a green card in this country, you shouldn't be able to bring relatives over easier than other people because chain migration is bad because it means you are just getting relatives over instead of skilled laborers. Politics aside, I took the stance that chain migration was good. It benefited Asian American families, African families. It had benefited my family in several ways. Um, and this person disagreed. And we just had a conversation about it. Um, and in fact, we were... It went up till 30 minutes and the guy just had at one point had to say, I'd love to keep going, but I have to stop because I have someone waiting after you, but I respect your position or whatever. Right. And so I actually do think having that type of disagreement works in your favor because I think what colleges like to see is that they like to see that you're being like a critical thinker and they like to think, say that you have some type of opinions. You can develop a conversation between them instead of if you're disagreeing with everything, it's going to be a very boring interview. But if you actually have a conversation between two kind of conflicting viewpoints uh, where you're actually making progress in the conversation and you're not just arguing with them, then that's going to be a meaningful discussion they had with the student. For sure. Oh, oh, I remember the other thing I was going to say. Um, sometimes it's even hard to be the yes man because oftentimes these questions are very open-ended. Like it's not, do you think chain migration is good or bad? The question is, what are some issues that you'd like to talk about? Or what are things that you care about in high school but didn't actually get to engage with fully? And so there's not really, you can't really predict what they're going to say, you know? Like we can use large demographic type things to kind of predict what where people's opinions are, but on an individual level, you just don't know, really. So there's not even a good way to kind of like say what they want you to say or say what they think. Right, right. But yeah, sometimes um, when they ask you a question, like maybe politics or like something personal and you don't know the answer to it, or if you don't know how to answer it, you can j literally just say, I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure it's better to say I don't know than to come up with some BS answer that lacks zero substance. True. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. One thing that I would add to the, like, I don't know is maybe a pivot to something. So here is an example, not from one of my interviewers, but just like something I've come up with, right? So off the issue of, you know, what's your stance on politics or whatever, or what's your stance on this issue? Um, actually, I do have an example. Uh, at UVA's uh, Jefferson Scholarship Regional Interview, I had mentioned that as a debater, I had done this topic on free speech. And one of the people asked me this very specific question about some random court case. I don't remember it. I didn't know what it was on that day. I don't think I will ever know what it is. But at the time, I just said, I don't know, and said, but I did do research on other free speech cases, like the Hazel case from the Ohio school district, blah, 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 and just like talked about that for a minute. And I do think that it is a little bit disingenuous to, to like do the kind of pivot move. I think it is very like political-esque, but I think it does mean that you're transferring the conversation to where you want it to go, to something where you're more comfortable, rather than just saying, I don't know, which is kind of like a weird way to stunt the conversation. Because if you pivot, then there's another way this conversation can go. Whereas if you say, I don't know, well, then it's 
stopped. Okay, I think we're deluging on politics a little bit too much. How about we, um, you know, go over to like some taboos that we should avoid? Yep. Uh, one thing I want to add here is I think it's interesting that the experiences that Michael and Sid were talking about, you know, kind of involved religion and politics, and those are usually the taboo subjects that people regard in conversation that which is kind of like the societal norm to try to avoid because, you know, you run into disagreements. And if you're trying to impress an interviewer, you don't want to, you know, reach a, reach a something that they feel strongly against that you feel a separate way. But I think it's, I think it's interesting that while these subjects came up, they still feel that they had good interviews and that it stimulated a good conversation. If you can hold your ground, you can, you can do well. Yeah, I think any topic is going to work in the interview and whichever way it goes just be yourself and i think that they'll see that yeah and it'll be a good fit for the school because they want to, they're looking for yeah. personality well no i was just going to say that it's interesting that like in your interviews topics like politics and stuff came up because i had an interview um with a college a few weeks back and we kind of just talked about like something completely different more fo- not like politics didn't really come up so i'm just gonna like just trying to say if you're worried like hearing all this like oh i don't know how to answer this or like i'm not very politically active or anything not every interviews like is gonna have those things like i feel like generally they won't bring up um issues with politics and that so it just like kind of depends it's just like a personal conversation they'll tend to go the way that you're comfortable with and just like you can relate over something else like i know i related with my interviewer in that we um we're both from vietnam so we like we just kind of talked and um, related that way. So you might relate with your um, interviewer like an ex- an interest in sports or something like that. So like don't worry too much because more often than none you'll find something in common that doesn't necessarily have to be like what we call a taboo or something that will be too hard to navigate. I guess. I think one thing that you'll notice is that your interviewers are going to have the similar major or similar interest to you or the interest that you yeah. put on your application, and so. I put poli sci on a lot of my applications. So that's why a lot of my, you know, interview questions tended to lean toward politics because that's the common interest that we had. Um, but obviously if you're a STEM major, you might not talk about politics a lot. You might talk about whatever research is going on in your field or whatever. But I think some of the similar lessons still apply. If you don't know the answer to the question, you say, I don't know, and pivot to something you do know or, or pivot to some, in this example, some research that you have found very compelling. That's you know, semi-related. Also, they might ask some quirky questions like, what's the most, your most favorite assignment or what's the best assignment you ever did? And do not go to a project because, I mean, unless it's like a meaningful project. Well, what I said for my favorite assignment that I did was I wrote a sonnet for English a few weeks ago. And I, I've i never written a sonnet for fun. And this was me stepping out of my STEM field to do something humanities-based. And I, I, end, I ended up loving it. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> All right. So one more thing before we move on to uh, Sid's phone interview. We talked about it a little bit, but at the end of the interview, it's almost like a staple of college interviews and just interviews in general. Most of the time you're getting asked questions, but there is that opportunity at the end where you can ask them questions. Sid and Michael, what were some examples of questions that you guys asked at the end of the interview? So let me, let me just tell you what to avoid first. Don't ask, it, don't ask questions about them first. Ask questions about the college because that's what you're interested in. You're not you're not interested in the interviewer. You're interested in the college. Although I know you're interested in the interviewer, but you have to be interested in the college. Okay. So your first questions can be like, "What was your first year at, at college X?" and um, "What how was city life?" 
in, in the city that you were in? Like really basic questions that like matter to you. Some things that matter to me are what are some good places to eat? And were you able to hold a relationship at the college? Did you go to parties? How was, what, what clubs did you join? Like important stuff that matters to you. Michael, do you remember anything that you asked? Yeah, I mean, I think I, one of the things that I always went with is how did you find balancing doing clubs and academics, uh, especially in the first year when you had a lot of new clubs happening or when you were trying to join a lot of new clubs? And I think there are these like general go-to questions that are applicable for all schools or can't ask for all schools. You can also ask about their experience with things. So oftentimes um, in the first few minutes of the interview, they'll tell you a little about themselves. So they'll be like, I was a part of the Columbia Democrats and I wrote for, you know, the blue and white magazine or whatever. Those are two things I do. In those instances, you could ask questions about those activities if you're interested in them. So what did you do as a part of Columbia Democrats? Was it just talking or did you actually knock on doors and do activism type work? Those types of questions show that you were listening up front and often can link back to conversations you've already had in your interview. I think that you shouldn't worry too much about what to ask because you probably have questions. Right. And don't be afraid to interrupt because sometimes they can go on a tangent too. And if, if you're running out of point. time and you want to get stuff in, yeah, you can interrupt if you want. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, politely, obviously, but yes. Yeah. Or just, you know, and you, ask a follow-up question during something. Don't just say, hey, stop. But Honestly, use common sense. I guess. Like, I would make sure that when you're asking questions, they're, they're questions that are not easily found on the website. So you should not be asking like, what's the acceptance rate to your college? Um, how many dorms are there? That type of thing. You should ask about, I think, their experience with things at the college. Or any questions that you have, you know, just in general. Yeah. That cannot like, be found on the website. Always a go a go-to yes. question would be like, I mean, what are some of your favorite things that you experienced at the college or something like that? Because like, they're alumni, like for a reason, though, they, they're not only there to interview you, but also to answer your questions from personal experiences that maybe an admissions counselor wouldn't be able to provide. So you should always keep that in mind when you're asking your questions. Right. Also, never, ever, ever ask, am I a good fit for this school? Oh, yeah, because that's you're bad. Just tacky and unprofessional. Don't do that. Yeah, like, do you think I'm going to get into your school? Like, that's such a bad... Yeah, don't, don't say so that. That's so bad. It shows you're weak. It shows you're nervous. It's also something that they don't know because they're not admissions officers most of the time. Right. And if you and if you say that at the end, you just completely destroyed everything mm -hmm. you just yeah, built up about yourself. absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And although Sid and Michael are mostly talking about these go-to questions. Don't be afraid to come up with your own questions. If you have a question that comes up during the interview, don't be afraid to ask that. Just because yeah, you think it might be on the website. Just say, oh, you know, I just thought about this. What What is this? Or what do you think about that? Or what is that club that you just talked about? Although you could find that club on the website, you have a person that just participated in the club. You might as well just ask them there. And then they could yeah, already yeah. provide that in for you at the college. So if something comes up, don't be afraid to ask it. Yeah, I guess let me amend that statement. Don't ask like numbers questions. Those are bad. Or like, how is the food? Because I feel like they get that a lot. And it's probably not, it's probably changed since they've been in school. Also, you don't have to ask about the food at the college, but the food like, you know, food places are around the college. Like for me, it's really important for them to at least have an In-N-Out or a White Castle because I need a White Castle <laughs> to survive in like the Northeast. What? <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, so that's that like the best. I've never been, and I'm in the Northeast. <laughs> you, there, there's a White Castle in New York, Michael. I think you're gonna have a great time if you. Is go it actually a good? Bunch of sliders, cherry cokes. It's really actually good. okay. I'll go this weekend. Yes, try it out. In Pennsylvania, there's um, two White Castles right next to. Um, there's one next to UPenn, and there's one near Bryn Mawr. I'm literally googling this right now. So, oh, there's one in Harlem. It. It's so close by. I can actually go there right now. <laughs> Midnight snack. All right, so let's move on to the phone interview, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quickly. <laughs> we don't need another, like, you know. Yeah, this is actually going on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so phone interviews are pretty much not the opposite, but they can't see you. So <laughs> you can make weird faces if you want. You can do it naked. Don't, <laughs> don't do it naked. Please don't. But... <laughs> You know, just put on your put on your jammies. Like, sit down, take a deep breath, get some water. And here's a cool thing: you can mute it when you want to, so you can like cough or take a deep breath or whatever. So let's share my experience. You guys ready? Go for it. Okay. So my interview started at, I think it was about four or five a.m. I forgot. Wait, hang on. Wait a minute. Four a.m. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's, it's the school's in England, Michael. You gotta factor in the the time difference. I know, but that's still... There's no Sid's better... Ta- whatever, whatever. For whatever. our listeners, Sid's sleep schedule is the craziest sleep schedule you will ever see. I promise you. <laughs> All right. So, yes. Um, I had recently applied to Oxford University. It's in England. So the time zones have been a little wacky. But anyways, my interview started at 4 a.m. And it was for, I think, an hour and 25 minutes, if I'm right. But phone interviews are very, like... They're very relaxing because... They're, the the people they well I think this is English people in general <laughs> they're very straightforward with their questions because the very first question that I was asked is why Oxford and that was very hard to answer because <laughs> despite being the number one university I didn't know much about Oxford so why I, what I said was because John Milton went there and I'm in love with John Milton because have you guys read Paradise Lost anybody nope one okay. of the viewers out so there Paradise is relating with you right now Sid just so you know all right. Okay. All right. But so Paradise Lost was written by John Milton, and this was in like the 17th century, so it's a very long time ago. But yeah, he went to Oxford, and he's my favorite author. I read all most of his books, and that was one of the core reasons that I gave to why Oxford. And they were like, "Wow, no one's ever said that." And I was like, "I bet." <laughs> and then, but yeah, just if you don't know, don't give some generic answer like it's the best school I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do say that. that. That's weird. <laughs> even though you're thinking that <laughs> don't say that yeah yeah um and they asked me pretty weird questions because they were like if you were stuck in a blender <laughs> what would you do and um, this was very it's not know, a very straightforward question it's not very straightforward but like i think they were trying to get creative kind of the uk schools are kind of known for having those types of case study or not case study that's like <laughs> case study but, um, um those types of critical thinking type questions um that kind of like right. see if you know how to uh like i don't know like critical think is the word that comes to mind <laughs> to, that i'm repeating a lot think. but if, if you're going to american school you probably won't get that <laughs> all right so for me, I, there was two perspectives I could take. I could either take the really scientific way or I could take the cold boneheaded way that had the most fun. What do you guys want? The boneheaded way. Which one did you get? I, I said both. I said both. No, of course you did. 
Do you guys want the you want the scientific way or do you want the boneheaded, go ahead. cool, fun? Oh. All right. So the science behind this is, if you are stuck in a blender, that means your body mass is about one one oh. thousandth of a blender. So if you oh jump, you can literally jump no. out because no. you have that much no. that much force to jump off of. <laughs> it's right? true. And it's true. It is true because that's how that's how it works. And they were like, okay, what's your other answer? And I was like. It's literally an amusement park. I would hit the blend button and I would just be spinning the entire time. It's like a fun, joyful ride. And they're like, wow. That's okay. a great answer. No one's ever said that. <laughs> and so literally you can answer any way you want. And that's how some people think differently. Like, for example, let me ask you a question. If you were shrunk to the size of an ant, what would you do? Try to answer, try to answer to yourself. Okay. In that audience you know what I would do if I were an ant? I would eat a sugar cube because I've I've always seen ants <laughs> eating sugar cubes, but like eating a sugar cube as an ant, just think about that. I would start a rebellion. This stuff and must be the huge. Queen a queen. A queen ant. There we go. That's Michael's taste. <laughs> but reverting back to the interview. Okay, so the series of questions were very weird. Most of them were like. Um, if you had a day on Earth left to live, what would you do? Like, it was very, very, like, broad and very, like, mo- it was weird, okay? <laughs> Oxford is weird. But there were also some, like, academic questions. They were like, so you showed that you wanted to do computer science and physics, and how would you combine those two things? And what I did was I brought up the bar- b- the Barkeistochrone problem. I think, Michael, you know what that is, right? No. Is that the mapping problem? It's, a, it, it's the... It's the yeah, it's it's the shortest path. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what it's you're like. Talking. Um, yeah, yeah. It, so I was like, if there were an al- if there was an algorithm, you know Dijkstra's, right? Please tell me you know Dijkstra's. No. Ah, oh, okay. So Dijkstra's is the, another computer algorithm. It's for like finding the shortest path in a graph. Mm. So I was like, if given a plane, you could literally combine Berkistochrone and Dijkstra's, and they were like, okay, I don't think that's possible, but you do you, and I I, I kind of look stupid, but. I was myself, so that's 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 it. You're gonna have to explain to me off air why that's impossible because Amazon's been doing this for the postal service when the postal service delivers Amazon no, packages. The way that Sunday. I explained it kind of looked impossible. But I've heard the problem is just like not able to be solved. What? Which the, one? Uh, Where the the uh, shortest distance problem. The shortest path. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna go into the whole deaf first, breath first crap, but let's. All right. Let's, wait. Let's okay. You guys can have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you need to explain it to me soon. Off These air questions. Okay. Let's have the scientific. Con- yeah. Well, let's so. Have the- all right. All right. All right. <laughs> wow. Knees. Knees. Knees want to go. All right. So taboos. So phone interview taboos are again, like I said, mute your phone if you're gonna oh, cough. Gosh. <laughs> Honestly, oh my God. you have you have the option. You have the what option. What the hell? <laughs> okay. But yeah, you, you can mute yourself. Take take a quick breather. Take a sip of water. You know, refresh, relax, repeat. Okay. So yeah. going back to other taboos to avoid. Don't ask them. Um, is my voice too soft? Because if they can, if they're responding to you. You're okay. Good. Well, I mean, I don't think that's a taboo. What? This is like you, okay. You if you you should clarify just at the beginning, I mean, like, like, um, is this loud enough? But I get I get what you're saying. But honestly, like, what I no, I know. Like, don't do but what do, I would do, say. Don't do it during the middle of the about phone or interviews. Is that maybe try not to sound too monotone or like really like un- 
uninterested in the conversation because they can't see your body language so they can't tell your facial reactions so maybe try to put some emotion in your voice because they are like the only thing they're basing off of is your voice and your answers so maybe try to change your tone like things that you're really passionate about sound more energetic don't like do the entire interview where you're just talking in a single thing and then maybe maybe not yeah, try not to talk too fast it's also it's okay try to, not laugh. to talk if too you fast laugh, or laugh. too slow and it might right. be hard like through a phone interview also gauging like what their reaction is like also so that's kind of like a thing you you kind of have to be able to get a sense of how the interview's going but as long as you're passionate and talking clearly saying what you want to say then i think um you'll be fine overall like it it applies to the in-person interview too just use common sense. Honestly, it's a conversation. If you're a relatively like good people person and you know how to like talk and interact with other people, you'll be fine for the interview. Also, one more thing. Um, this is very important. When you're doing the interview, please don't do anything else. Just focus on the interview. Yeah. Like, don't be fiddling with your phone. Don't like do don't do anything else. Yeah. Really, just sit yourself down. Put your headphones in if need be. And Honestly, treat it as if it were an in-person interview. Because you're actually having a conversation it's with an, someone. It's like an interview. Like the only right. difference is you're talking through a phone, so you should treat it like you would if they were there in the room with you. I have a less interesting logistical note for phone interviews that's different from I think in-person interviews. In-person interviews you just kind of like show up and talk, but for phone interviews there are there's technology involved, and so you always have to be thinking when that happens, right? So number one, make sure you get phone numbers beforehand. Number two, make sure your phone works, is charged, and also that when you talk into it with your microphone, with your headphones in, that it you can hear it and it's not staticky. Um, we all know as podcasters that microphones <laughs> can be tricky, so just just record yourself talking a little bit into your uh, into your earbuds beforehand to make sure that it works and that mm-hmm. it isn't too staticky. Um, and finally, make sure that when you're doing the phone interview you're not doing it in a very loud room. Um, When I had my phone interview for UT, I had it at 5.30. So I had to, I actually did it at the Starbucks in downtown between my school and between my home, like railroad station, just because I don't know why, but I decided to just like stop halfway and do it in the Starbucks. Starbucks is actually tend to be kind of loud and the phone, at least my phone, picked up a lot of it. So sometimes I had to like talk very loudly, so much so that the other people around me kind of like looked at me weirdly. So, <laughs> you know, that was a mistake. So forewarning, think a little bit more carefully than I did yeah. about my surroundings, your surroundings. Best option, go home, yeah. lock yourself in a room, and then take the interview. So this kind of leads us to the last portion. Like, if you're doing a phone interview, you have to have all these like extra preparations, as Michael said, with like technical stuff. But for any um, interview, you should walk in prepared and with like I guess like in, with a good mentality. Like, cause if you're prepared, you'll um, do great. You'll be. You shouldn't be. You should like everyone would be worried. But if you're prepared, that um, I, I guess like somehow. Well, I guess it makes it better. And if um, so, a few things that you can. Um, prepares that of course like study the school as we said because they're gonna have the questions that are like why is this score or blah 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 that's usually a very typical question and then as Sid said um, go with a reasonably business casual or 
acceptable attire. Don't go in, like, shorts or, like, sweats or something like that. Um, I guess some people would bring a resume. I don't know if it's required for every place. Just if you want to bring it just in case. But generally, colleges will have all that information from the things you submit. And then also... I would recommend bringing their resume because sometimes the interviewers just ask for it. I remember my Vanderbilt interviewer said, this has made me very uncomfortable. She said, I'm writing the rec letter for you after this to Vanderbilt. If you give me a resume, I'll be able to write it better. And I was like, but I told you a lot of this information during my interview. So are you yeah. just like not listening? And she actually was staring off into space quite a bit. So maybe that was yeah, so that was the case. Just bring it just in uh, case. Just bring your resume just in case. So here's the thing. If you have right, so if you have personal contact with your interviewer, you can literally ask them, "Hey, like, should I bring my resume? Should I bring something else?" And a good a good a good thing to do is after your interview, just send them a thank you. Just be like, "Hey, thank you for meeting with me today, for giving me your time." Because yeah. that thank you is going to go a long way. Oh, yeah, for right. sure. Also, uh, other things in preparing for your interview, if you're meeting in person, you definitely want to be there early on time, getting coffee. Don't be trying to get coffee when the meeting is supposed to start. Uh, try to be there before your interviewer interviewer is there, or at least you know as they're walking in. And then if you're talking on the phone, make sure you're in that room that you're gonna the area where you're planning on having the call. Uh, just make sure that you're at, allowing enough time for yourself to be mentally ready to start the interview and set set it off on the right foot. Um, also, coming in with good questions like we talked about, um, it's fine to ask whatever questions come up during the interview. But if you've actually done your research into the school, studying it, finding the programs that you want to do, you'll probably have some sample questions, or not sample questions, but actual questions that you would like to ask. One thing I would say, most importantly, uh, please be yourself in these interviews. You're going to come off as who you are, and it's going to complement your application very well if you just act who you are. If you try to personify something else that you're not, if also, uh, yeah, right. it's just going to reflect poorly on you, and it's not going to be as good as the normal one you are big uh supporters of just telling the truth through the college application process if you follow the episodes you've definitely heard that from michael and me before don't lie in the interviews and don't try to be somebody you aren't okay so dominic i have an analogy okay so think about interview day as like christmas day you're a present and your job is to be kind of hard to open meaning you don't want to give them too much too fast <laughs> does that make sense guys what an analogy uh, yes <laughs> that makes sense yeah. right okay this is this could be not about Christmas Day, but I'll just leave that there. <laughs> All right, just about opening a present on your birthday, you know, like take your time, take off the wrapping, okay. um, <laughs> you know, take your knife. What, like, just be kind of slow, be smooth. At the end, pack a punch at the end, okay. man. It's um, like here, I got you a Ferrari. So I that. love that analogy. I love that analogy. <laughs> I have three different points. I know, I know. They're so quick though. Okay, first is business casual. I did not know what that is. So here's here's what I did, okay? Dress shirt, pants, dress shoes, tie, blazer, option. That is what business casual is. Number two, is. thank you notes good. Make sure – oh, what is the woman's business casual? Uh, I think it's like a For blouse. Um, a can we can we have the yeah, woman okay. answer Jacket. this question, Well, I mean – Yes. Well <laughs> – Yeah, we're just so sitting. Yeah, so kind of similar like either dress pants or um, – a skirt and usually a blouse i guess you don't a blazer as i said is optional um hmm, okay i wonder where okay, i've heard so. that before <laughs> and then like some flats or heels or something like that you don't 
Or you could always wear a dress and throw over like a sweater or something like that. But just make sure don't wear like anything too flashy. Um, go with dark colors or just kind of like solid colors. Um, that's what I've noticed. Don't show up like looking like you're about to go to the club or something like that. Because I've seen people. <laughs> okay. Also, um, don't for women. Sorry. Nee, give me a second for women. No, um, what? Tie your hair up. Don't don't let it hang everywhere. <laughs> okay, just um, can we regard? Can we not? Yeah. Can we not no. explain women's fashion, yeah, please? You do not have to tie your hair up. This is what? just some interview things that are okay. All right. Nah. I'm just saying, don't. Oh yeah, cool. Okay, so so that was what um, business casual was from a woman's perspective and a man's perspective. Uh, okay. Uh, second point. Uh, thank you notes. Thank you notes are good. Here's how you do it. You want a little line saying thank you so much for the interview. You want to include a little bit of a note about what you talked in the, about in the interview to personalize it so it's not copy and paste job. Like, i.e., I enjoy discussing XYZ with you, blah, 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 blah. If you have any additional information you want to include that you forgot in the interview, this is the time to do it. Um, like, I forgot in the interview to mention that blah, 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 blah. If it's something that is tangentially related to something that you discussed in the interview, you don't want to be talking about other random things because that's just weird. You want to get these in basically the night after you do the interview just because the turnaround times for some of these interviewer recommended recommendation letters or scores often come in the next few days after the interview, especially when we're talking about EA or ED interviews when the timeline is just so quick that they need to move quickly. Number three is that when you're doing an in-person interview at a coffee shop, please do not worry about who buys the coffee. That is not something that you need to worry about at the moment. You don't yeah. even have to buy coffee. Yeah, like sometimes you don't need to buy coffee. Yeah. Yeah. If you're worried, just get there early and buy coffee. And so that means that you don't need to worry about the awkward situation of them offering to pay for you or whether you should pay for them or that type of situation. So please don't worry about that. Not a big deal. If it No, rule of thumb, just don't buy coffee. Don't buy anything. <laughs> just get a water. I mean, I like coffee, so I bought coffee. I just went early and bought coffee. All right, coffee. Michael, but what I'm trying all to right, say is right, right. there's more situations to avoid if you don't buy coffee. Wait, that's not true. What if you need to like – what if you like like coffee? What the hell? I don't understand. No, 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 buddy. What I'm trying to say is um, if you get there beforehand and you buy coffee, that means when they come in, they're going to be like, oh, I'm not drinking coffee, and you'll just look weird. Get coffee Wait. if you like coffee. And if you don't okay, like coffee. So, don't get coffee so no. if you don't like coffee. Yeah, and also That's like good the solution. interviewer could also just like sit down and not buy coffee or buy tea. That's fine, too. It's not weird if you drink coffee you do, and they you. don't drink coffee. It's like totally normal. I think you guys are just reading into this too much. You're at a coffee shop. Okay, that's that's. I'm getting too analytical. My bad. I'm sorry. All right. I'm just saying, if you want coffee, you can just go early and buy it, and it. Yes. There's no awkward situation then. That's all I was trying to say. So I had fun, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. I I thought we had a great ending point at the uh, analogy because I don't think it could get any better than that. But of course, Michael had to add the extra. But, but then anyway, I ruined it. Uh, thank you so much. Sorry, to Sid, for joining us. Um, and then for our listeners as always thanks thank you for coming back each week thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week Bye.